When you're really into points and miles, it can be difficult to meet people who share your same enthusiasm for flying. But with App in the Air, you can meet other people virtually and in person. They have a flight tracking competition, online communities, and if you're in the New York City area, they're also hosting a meetup on July 14 at Lightbox. I'll see you there. Check out App in the Air and get 20% off of your next flight when you book directly through the app by using the code GeoBreeze at checkout. And check out the show notes to download the app and RSVP to the New York City meetup. Thank you to App in the Air for partnering with this episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. The other nice thing that you can do from a family perspective is there's something called a Swiss family card, which you can get for free. When you get the Swiss family card as part of your half fare card, then children between the ages of six and 16 also travel for free as long as one parent is coming with them. So basically, when you get your half fare card for your adults, you apply for the Swiss family card. And then basically all of your children under the age of 16 travel for free everywhere in the country. So that's a, a great way of saving it. The nice, the other nice thing about the, the travel passes and the half fare cards is that you can get into over 500 different museums within the country for free when you have that card. So if you're not out enjoying nature and you want to have some of those days where either it's rainy or you want to do something different, uh, those cards also come with a free, basically, museum pass to 500 museums across the country. Hey there, points people. You just heard a clip from Kevin Zanes from The Points Analyst. Kevin is a points enthusiast who leverages his big data background to find hidden value in points and miles earnings and redemptions. He grew up traveling the world and his family of six recently moved from Indiana to Switzerland. In this episode, Kevin and I discuss how Switzerland is a notoriously expensive country to visit, but there are ways to make it more affordable. We discuss flights, hotels and accommodations, food, excursions, and more. If you are traveling or moving abroad from the United States, make sure you have a credit card that has no foreign transaction fees. My go-to card is the Chase Sapphire Preferred, which is also one of the most popular cards for beginners who are looking to get started with points and miles. Remember, if you are interested in applying for a new credit card to earn more points, never, ever, ever apply through Google. Always use a friend or creator's referral links to help them earn more points or commissions. If you are interested in supporting this show when you apply for your next credit card, check out geobreezetravel.com slash cards. And we have a link to the Chase Sapphire Preferred for you in the show notes as well. And now, on with the show. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Hey, Julie, it's great to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. We are going to talk about Switzerland today and your very mathy approach to <laughs> points, which I love because I went to actuary school and all of that. And I really like how you break down everything in such an analytical way. Before we get into all of that, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into points and miles? Yeah, so the interesting thing about my points and miles journey is I kind of jokingly say that I was in the points and miles world for 10 years before I knew I was in the points and miles world. So early on in my professional career, I used to travel a lot. I supported our international affiliates. And so I was on a plane all the time, racking up 
hundreds of thousands of airline miles. And every now and then I would turn those miles into free trips. And so I was like, this is awesome. This is so great because I travel all the time. I get my free miles and then I get to use those free miles to take fun trips around the world. The and That kind of sounds like I knew what I was doing, but I kind of look back and during that entire time, I had no hotel loyalty programs. I probably could have been lifetime status with multiple hotel brands, but I had no idea what I was doing. So that's the the passive side. And only recently, I kind of got more into points and miles. And the real impetus for getting into it was actually my family. So as we had our first kid, vacations were still manageable. The second kid, vacations were still manageable. But once kids three and four came along, then the cost of taking a vacation just started to skyrocket. Because once you get to four kids, you're you're looking at either a suite or you're looking at two rooms. And a lot of people here want to go the Airbnb route. That's kind of where the families go. And we just had a number of really negative experiences with Airbnbs, which kind of pushed us back towards hotels. And so I said, okay, well, if we want to get back to traveling and travel consistently in the way that we've been doing, then I need to figure out a better way of doing this. So that's when I kind of started following, taking this more seriously, being more actively engaged and have been able to take a a number of really cool trips because of that. So that's kind of the the very short version of the story. What was your profession that you were passively earning all of those points in the beginning? So I was a financial analyst for a large pharmaceutical company. And my job at the time was supporting our international affiliates. So all the affiliates around the world. So I was taking trips to China, to Australia, multiple times to Europe, to the Middle East. Never actually made it down to South America, but I was just traveling all around the world. And I kind of, the the way I always kind of emphasize this with people was there was one year that I had either the top or second tier status on every airline alliance at the same time. Like that's how much I was traveling. That is crazy. Were you doing this with like juggling kids at home already too? No. So this was pre-kids. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure my wife would have killed me or disowned me or divorced me. One of the three would have happened. I was going to say, or were you taking your family there with you? Like, hey, family, I have a work trip to India. Let's all go on family vacation and bring two toddlers. No, no, no. It was it was pre-kids, which obviously made the the traveling a little bit easier. But I did just kind of rack up all of these airline miles because I was fortunate enough that my company sent me business. So that was, again, the multipliers, the status multipliers. So it was literally just raining points and miles for like 10 years. When you transition from all of the passive income of points to the more active travel hacking, what were some of the first cards that you started with? Did you already have any from just the day job and putting all of those air airplanes and hotels on credit cards? Or did you just kind of start from scratch with the usual cards? So there were two sides. There's the personal side and there's a business side. So on the personal side, the airline that my company used a lot was United. So I did kind of hear about the United card. I even forget. It's probably like a commercial. This is back in the day when when people actually watched commercials on television. And so I was like, well, I fly United. I have a ton of United points. I have United status every year. It's the company that my company uses. So I'll just get the United card. So 
I had a United credit card and pretty much just put everything on my United credit card, which anyone who's in the points and miles world just kind of looks at that and slaps their forehead and goes, what were you thinking? But that was the limit of my knowledge at the time. It seemed to make sense. That's what I had. That's what I'll add to. And that's where I can get some free trips. So I just had that United credit card for a long, long time. And ironically enough, the second credit card that I got was a were two business credit cards. And despite the fact that I had no idea what I was doing, I somehow chose the two best business cards that I could um, for a real estate rental company that I had started up, again, before kids, where we bought upgraded homes and then put them out for, for rent. So it was basically broken down homes that we rehabbed and then rented out. So I had the Chase Inc. Cash and the Chase Inc. Preferred were the two cards that I had. Because I remember thinking at the time, again, this is before I I knew what I was doing. Oh, $100,000 on the Chase Inc. Preferred. That's great. I can turn that into $1,000, which I can then reinvest into the business or use to pay off bills. So that was my mindset at the time was basically, how do I earn a ton of points to convert them directly into cash? And then reinvest them in the business. So I remember probably in the when I first started doing this, we just had tons and tons of bills. I had probably accumulated 250,000 Chase Ultimate Rewards points, which I then just cashed out to $2,500. Now, of course, older me looks back at younger me and goes, no, do you know how many Hyatt stays that was? But at the time, it seemed like the the right thing to do. And again, that's part of the journey that so many people go on. And that's part of why I love the the community is you learn so much. It's kind of like, let us make all the mistakes and then you guys learn from it so that you don't have to do the same things. I mean, it's not quite as bad as using it for a magazine subscription, but it was a pretty terrible decision. Oh, that hurts me. It hurts me inside to think about all of those Hyatt stays that could have been, but we all live and learn. So once you did learn, what were some of the first points redemption trips that you and your family were able to take? So the first one that we did in, in all seriousness was we went to the, the Andas Mayacoba in, in Mexico. And people have heard me talk about that hotel a lot. But this is the first time we went, not the, the second time. And I just remember it was, I had been staying at Hyatt's. And I, I always just remember this one point where I was like, hey, we can use points. That would be so cool. We can get one room and we can stay. And it's going to be this amazing hotel experience. And then I kind of remember that we were a little bit short, but I had some business trips coming up. So I kind of uh, finagled the right hotels to stay at as part of my business trips to be Hyatt's. And so I ended up getting some Hyatt points and we ended up getting enough points. I think at that time, we had also done the, the Chase Sapphire Preferred, which back when I got it was a 60,000 point offer. And then I remember I referred my wife and then she got 60,000 points. And so we used those points plus the points I had earned from work to stay, I think it was six nights at the the Andas Mayakoba. And I just remember thinking at the time, this is great. It's wonderful. You know, we're using points. I'm just happy to be able to stay at a, a hotel for free. But that still wasn't, it hadn't still fully clicked yet about what the the true potential of of points and miles was. And so we had only had 
two kids at that time. So we were still okay. We were still kind of at one room. This was pre-pandemic. And so it wasn't until probably about a year or two after that, that everything really started to click in after we had done some pandemic traveling, stayed in the Airbnbs. It was terrible. Kid three had come, kid four was on the way. And that's when you just started, again, like you said, doing the math and saying, hey, if I want to travel to Switzerland, which is where my family is from, my wife is from Switzerland, and we're all dual nationals, you know, you kind of say, well, it's $1,000 a flight, which isn't too bad, but I have six kids, or I have six people in my family, and so that's going to be $6,000 just for a basic economy class flight to Switzerland. And versus when we had done it in the past, it was $2,000 because we were two adults and a lap child or two lap children. And so we kind of were able to, to skirt around with that. So, you know, you kind of are sitting there doing the math and you're realizing that your vacation expenses are increasing by about 3x. But my salary did not increase 3x, sadly, at the same time. So the math was starting to look really bad in terms of what we would be able to do for travel. Once again, kids three and four came. And so that's when I really started um, getting in and learning about the benefits of the different cards, looking at how you do sign-up bonuses, looking at how you do buying groups and all of these other things that would help earn tons and tons of points to kind of support the travel lifestyle that both my wife and I wanted to do, but at the same time, have a big family. I know that Switzerland is especially one of those destinations that people talk about as being ridiculously expensive. I've been to Zurich. We got Chinese takeout for two people. It was more than $40. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about Switzerland and we'll break down each component. What's the best way to fly there on points, hotels, excursions, food, all of that to save money, especially if you're traveling with a family of six. So let's start with flights. What are some of your favorite routes to do on points to Switzerland? So I know that I am a bit biased by my my history, but one of the ways that I always think about flights is, you know, first, when I look at a country, does the country have a national airline? Yes or no. So Switzerland does. It has Swiss Air. And the second thing is, okay, well, if it does have a national airline, is that airline part of any alliance? And so then you say, yes, Swiss is part of the Star Alliance. So I traditionally start with Star Alliance flights to try to book my tickets to Switzerland. One of the my favorite ones to use is United, mostly because we live in or around or near United hubs. Again, I have the history with United from my work. But one of the main reasons I like United is that from a points perspective, it's not too crazy. It's about 60,000 points round trip in economy and 120,000 points round trip in business. But the best part about United is that it has one of the lowest fuel surcharge fees in the world for taking trips from the US to Switzerland. So again, when you're thinking about the difference between $50 a ticket versus $500 a ticket for fuel surcharges, again, multiplying that by six, you end up getting a really, really big difference and you can get some substantial savings. The only downside of United is that there aren't a lot of transfer partners right now. So Chase is obviously one transfer partner. And then recently with the big announcement, Built is the second, or Built Rewards is the second transfer partner. So that's one of the challenges that some people have is if you're invested in one of the other flexible currencies, like the Amex points or City points or Capital One points, it gets 
very difficult to try to find those Star Alliance flights on United. So, but one of the great things about the Star Alliance is the Star Alliance has, I think, the most point transfer partners of any alliance in the world. And so when you look at how to get there, there's lots of other options. So one of my other favorite options is going with the ANA option. So ANA has had this great, amazing deal where you can get the economy class flights for about 50,000, 55,000 uh, MX points or 88,000 in business class. Again, the only downside to ANA is that it is only a transfer partner for Amex. And so that kind of brings me to my third one, which is for people that want the most flexibility, Air Canada's Aeroplan has actually been one that I've been paying a lot more attention to because it has transfer partners from either, I forget if it's every bank or almost every bank or every major flexible points currency you can transfer to Aeroplan. And when you look at booking the flights, the number of, of points is comparable to United. And the fuel surcharges is also comparable to United. So you get more ability to transfer into the Aeroplan program and you still maintain the, the low fuel surcharges. So that's why the, the Aeroplan one, when we did our, our recent trip where we're going this summer to Switzerland, I actually used that to book our tickets. Is there actually a way to fly? on Swiss Air Metal with points these days? I hear it's very difficult. Yes. So actually, the flight that we got this summer is on Swiss Air through Air Canada. So again, that's looking on either United or Air Canada are the two that I've found the most useful in terms of trying to get those Swiss Air flights directly from either Chicago, I think is one of the main places. Most of the award space that I find on Swiss Air is out of a Chicago O'Hare. But I think also DC, the Dulles Airport, and I also think Newark has some random Swiss flights as well. And the challenge with Swiss Air, though, especially when you're looking at some of these other airlines that aren't United, so either Aeroplan or ANA, if you get those flights, you do get the Swiss Air surcharges. So the fuel surcharges on Swiss Air are going to be a little bit higher than what you would find on United or Air Canada. So that is the trade-off. And Honestly, this is a personal preference. So I've flown United Polaris, the new version, and the Swiss Air business. And quite honestly, I think the United Polaris business is better. But I would say that the Swiss economy is better. And so it really just depends on kind of what you're, you're trying to do. And one of the biggest challenges with the Swiss business class is you kind of, it's in a very weird configuration. I think it's, it's, it's kind of like one, two, one, or two, two, two. So they kind of alternate. And so you can have some seats in business class that don't have direct aisle access. You have some seats in business class which don't have a window. One of the great resources to look all this up is for people that know, don't know about it, Seat Guru. Just go onto their website, look up your airline, and you'll be able to see which are the good and which are the bad seats on Swiss Air. But they do have some weird configurations in business class. I love Seat Guru for looking at different planes because if you're going to be shelling out all of these points for a business class flight, you want to make sure it's the good business class, not something that's maybe a recliner seat that doesn't actually go too far back. If you are listening to this episode thinking, I wish I could travel like this, but I don't know where to start. I offer free credit card consultations by email at geobreezetravel.com slash consultations. Additionally, I host a masterclass and group coaching session each month through the Patreon. We've also added a new Patreon feature. 
Once you've been in the Patreon for 12 consecutive months, I will gift you a vacation voucher to the city of your choice. I've also added an option to sign up for an annual membership. With this option, you will get two free masterclasses each year, and you'll get your vacation package voucher upfront. You can find more information about the vacation vouchers, consultations, and more in the show notes. This week's Patreon shout-out goes out to Maria. Thank you so much for being a part of the GeoBreeze Travel Patreon community. The other thing that I will say, because we ran into this recently, and this is something that people do not fully appreciate, a couple of years ago, Swiss changed some of their policies. So as an example, if you book a Swiss flight through United or through Air Canada, you actually can't choose your seat, even in business class. How does that work for families if you want to be sitting next to each other? Rolling the dice. I mean, because I just, when we booked ours for Switzerland this summer, I called their help center. I went on the website. I, I called like five different versions and they basically were like, no, we can't do it. So the only time you can choose your seat on, on Swiss is when you book through Swiss directly, which obviously takes the, the points and miles side out of it. So it's just a word of caution for people that do book a Swiss air flight through United or through Air Canada. You may not be able to choose your seat even in business class. And then you're kind of at the mercy of the computer system to figure out where you're going to sit. Oh, that's rough. Best of luck because I know that it's it can be a hassle for families trying to find seats together if there's just no way to do that beforehand and you're trying beforehand to get everything planned so that you don't have to do the whole request of the seat switcheroo once you're actually on the flight. But best of yes. luck. It's one of the most asked questions in some of the family travel forums is the question basically comes out as, would they actually make us sit in separate places? And unfortunately, the answer is yes, unless you can find some, like you said, nice people who are willing to, to let you switch. Yeah. Let's talk about hotels a little bit. What are some of the best points and miles hotels in Switzerland, both for people who might want to be a little bit more on the budget side versus in the nicer, more luxury side of travel? So the hotel situation in Switzerland is probably one of the most interesting. And the reason it's interesting is kind of on two levels. So one, there really aren't a lot of hotels in Switzerland with the major change. So I think I forget what it was. I think like Hilton only has like three or four hotels in, in the whole country. When you look at Hyatt, they have, I think it was 15 to 20 hotels, but most of those are through the Small Luxury Hotels Partnership. Uh, Marriott and IHG also don't have uh, a huge footprint in Switzerland. And one of the kind of problems that that creates is you're not going to have one of those hotels in some of the major cities. So when you look at a Zurich or a Basel or a Geneva, which are kind of the three major cities, you're going to find a couple of hotels in each of those cities. But as an example, one of the cities that most people want to go to is Interlaken. And the reason they want to go there is because the, the Lauterbrunnen Falls are there and the Jungfrau, which everyone wants to go to top of Europe, Interlaken is kind of your, your main launching off point. There are exactly zero hotels across the four major hotel brands in Interlaken. And so when you're looking at points and miles, what that then leads you to is booking through the portals, which I traditionally discourage heavily 
just because of some of the issues with not getting status and not getting good value and not getting good redemptions. But in Switzerland, I think it's one of those rare cases where you can actually use the portals to find some really nice kind of Airbnb style places in some of those cities which may not have the the major hotels. The other thing that I will say is overall, kind of coming back to the the math side, is that the hotels in Switzerland in general, you're not always going to get a ton of value in some of those hotels when you, you book in Switzerland. So that is the other challenge is they, even the hotels that they do have, you may not be able to get the, the best value out of them when you're, when you're staying in the country. I'd say that when I looked at the, the different options, there are definitely some, some good options in, in Hyatt. I mean, if, for people that want to spend a ton of points, the Park Hyatt in Zurich is a really great hotel. It is a good value for your money. Obviously, it's a great hotel. And it's not one of the Park Hyatts that got increased to a Category 8. So it's still actually a Category 7. And so that can lead to some, some good deals, especially in the off-season. The other place that there are a lot of pretty good deals is in the kind of, uh, what is it, the southwest part of Switzerland, where you have the Lake Como, as well as another lake that's called Lake Maggiore. There's a couple of small luxury hotels that are on the lakes that are really good value, really pretty. And those are fantastic towns to, to kind of walk around. But coming back to the the portals, the portals, when you use them, you can find a lot of really good options and you can use those points and or kind of the, the cash erasure. So either using Capital One or Chase. And obviously when you do Chase, I jokingly say it, it's almost worth kind of like upgrading to the CSR, the Chase Sapphire Reserve for like one month to use the, the 1.5 multiplier and then just re-downgrading after that. Because um, you get the access to it instantly and you get that that extra bonus. But one of the unique things about Switzerland, and this is where people kind of forget this, is sometimes points and miles aren't always the best answer. Switzerland has a lot of opportunities to book what are called holiday houses through the local tourism site. So almost every city or every region in Switzerland, if you do city or that region.ch, you'll be taken to the, the local page for that city or region. And in that page, they have lots of like things to do, but they also have an accommodation section. And so you're able to go into that accommodation and look for holiday houses. And just to give an example, a couple of years ago, we did a trip to Zasve, which is a city that's kind of on the other side of the mountains from Zermatt. So there's kind of like Zermatt mountains then Zasve. So that's just kind of the, the region that it's in. And we were able to book a three room or three bedroom holiday house in Zasfe for one week for $1,000. So those are, are some of the options that you have. So again, if you're in some of the bigger cities, you can use points and miles and say it's some of the nice hotels. If you can't do that, use the portals to look at if there are some good Airbnb style or bed and breakfast style places in some of those other cities that do not have the major hotel brands. And then if both of those things kind of don't work out, you can look at the the travel portals for each of the individual cities and try to find some of those holiday house deals because there are actually some really, really good deals for those, those holiday houses. And we've actually taken advantage of those. The only caveat to those holiday houses, though, is you always need to book them for a week 
to get the good deal. And usually it's a set week. So I think it's it's either Saturday to Saturday or Sunday to Sunday. I forget what it is, but it has to be in that time frame. You can't book Wednesday to Wednesday and get the same deal. That is a good thing to know. So what kind of discount do you get off of those versus are you allowed to book one day at a time at all and it's just not a good deal? Or do you have to book a week at a time or nothing? No, it's you can book those four a day at a time for at most of them. I kind of say it's kind of like if you rent a car, you know, if you rent a car and you do it day to day, it's going to be $50 for each of the days. But if you book it for seven days, we'll give it to you for $250 versus the $350 that it would have been if you booked them individually. It's kind of like that. So there are some discounts. I wouldn't say that it's like if you booked each individual night, it's going to be $500 a night. It's nothing crazy like that. But there is a, a pretty significant discount. Um, when you book the week versus just booking the individual nights. But again, it is possible. That's an awesome tip. How about for anything outside of airfare and hotels? Any tips on saving on excursions or food or anything else in Switzerland since it tends to be one of the more expensive destinations for people? Yes. So the kind of, as you said in the beginning, the traditional mindset of, of Switzerland is I want to go to Switzerland, and then I looked up the cost, and then I decided to go literally anywhere else. But there are a lot of tips that, that you can. Again, the other classic thing is, hey, I went to McDonald's, and it's $10 to eat at McDonald's, is, is kind of the other classic saying, which is completely true. But there are a lot of other things that you can do to help save on the cost, both in terms of food, in terms of excursions, in terms of transportation within it. So one of the really good tips on getting around Switzerland is, like many countries in Europe, Switzerland has a great public transportation system. And one of the great things about the public transportation system is you also can get what's called a half fare card or a Swiss travel pass. So you basically kind of pay a a one-time upfront fee, and then all of your travel after that becomes essentially 50% of what it would be otherwise. And so if you want to do a lot of different stops in Switzerland, you don't want to stay in one place for a long time, the train is a great option and you can get that half fare card that will save you significantly on that cost. The other nice thing for families, and this is what we take advantage of a lot, is just as a a baseline with no cards, children under six travel for free on all public transportation. And children between the ages of 6 and 16 travel at half price on all public transportation with no additional passes. So for families, it actually isn't as expensive as you think to be able to transport or or transfer around Switzerland on the public transportation. And that goes for not just trains, but trams, buses, and even some of the boats that take you around some of the regions with the, the lakes. The other nice thing that you can do from a family perspective is there's something called a Swiss family card, which you can get for free. When you get the Swiss family card as part of your half fare card, then children between the ages of six and 16 also travel for free as long as one parent is coming with them. So basically, when you get your half fare card for your adults, you apply for the Swiss family card. And then basically all of your children under the age of 16 travel for free everywhere in the country. So that's a a great way of saving it. The nice, the other nice thing about the the travel passes and the half fare cards is that you can get into over 500 different museums within the country for free when you have that card. 
So if you're not out enjoying nature and you want to have some of those days where either it's rainy or you want to do something different, those cards also come with a free, basically, museum pass to 500 museums across the country. Now, one of the best things, coming back to points and miles, is when you buy these tickets, they're all done through the SBB, which is the, the basically the train operator in Switzerland. And what you can do if you have Capital One points is you can use your travel eraser on train tickets. So basically, you can kind of stack your savings. So you're going to get your train ticket, you're going to get your half fare, and then you're going to erase that half fare with your Capital One points. So basically, you can travel around for half the cost and then erase that with your Capital One card. So that's a, a great way of getting that portion of your trip for free. That is an amazing tip. And you could do the same thing with the Chase Sapphire Reserve, right? That $300 yes. travel credit, you could also wipe it with that. So Exactly. And so if you're bumping it up for that month, your travel credit hits instantly, and then you get your $300, then you can downgrade it when you get home from Switzerland and use that travel credit. Um, one other unique thing that you can get in Switzerland, and this is very dependent on either the holiday house or the hotel that you get, but either the holiday house or the hotel, some of them actually offer free lift passes in the valley that you're staying in. So just to put it in perspective, a lift pass to go up and down in many of these different mountainous regions can be 40 Swiss francs a person just to do one ride up and down. That's one ride that's not that's a day pass. Up and down with the, with the lift ticket. So whether it be a gondola or a lift or, or any of those different things. So when you stay in a lot of the holiday houses or you stay in some of the hotels, they offer you free lift tickets. And so coming back to our Sasve example, we stayed in a holiday house that offered free lift tickets for the family. And I think I calculated it out one time where it was, we got 500 Swiss francs of savings from the lift ticket alone. So we paid $1,000 for the holiday house and we got $500 of savings on the lift tickets to explore the, the whole Sasve Valley. That is crazy. And with those lift tickets, they're just one ride per person. Are you normally doing just one ride each day or can you go up and down multiple times in that day? Most of the time it's just up and down once. So what most people do is they usually only go one way. So they'll either hike up to a certain place and then take the lift down or they'll take the lift up and then hike down. So that's kind of coming back to how do you save on excursions? Switzerland is a beautiful country. My, my sister very accurately described it one time. She said, Switzerland is 365 degrees of beautiful views. So no matter where you look, there's beautiful views everywhere. So get out and explore that. Go for a hike, walk through the village, go swim in a lake. It's a country and a culture that really embraces and wants to be outside. And so there's lots of opportunities for that. And for families with kids, most of these lift places actually also have playgrounds. So I have some crazy pictures of when we were in Zasve, there's like a playground at, I do the meters because I, that's what I remember. It was at like 3,000 meters and there's like this playground for kids to, to play in with like a mountain backscape. And I'm like, this has to be like the most beautiful playground in the world. So they have that infrastructure for families as well. There's always a hut up there. So if you want to get lunch or some kind of food or just a drink or a coffee. You always have that infrastructure up there. Even at three, three and a half, four thousand meters, you still have some level of infrastructure, which is is just crazy to think about. Especially living in Indiana where the highest 
part of the state is 100 meters. So there is just so much to do outside. And again, when you're outside, everything's free. So going for a hike, going into the farmland, playing in the water, going to playgrounds, all of that stuff is, is free. So that also really helps keep your costs down from an excursion perspective as well. These are all incredible tips. I didn't know about any of these. I knew about the hiking because I've done a little bit of hiking in Switzerland, but never sat on any of those lifts because I think I knew about the prices once upon a time and said, I don't want to pay $40 to do that. I'm just going to hike up this mountain and back down the mountain. Exactly. So the the last thing which normally trips people up is is the food. That that no matter where you travel, unless you're traveling to some place that has super cheap food, everyone's like, "How do I hack the food?" If if I could figure out how to hack the food, I could probably retire and be very wealthy at when I do that. So getting the food for free is is next to impossible, but there are a lot of tips in terms of how you can keep the cost down. So one of the obvious things is if you're staying in one of the branded hotels and you have status with getting the right cards, you can get breakfast for free at the hotels, which is a huge saving. And they have wonderful, wonderful European style breakfasts that are delicious. And you probably just don't want to leave after breakfast um, because you just want to stay there and enjoy the breakfast all day. But if you're not in one of those hotels and you're in the holiday house, obviously many of the holiday houses come with kitchens. So you just go to the local grocery store, get some cereal, get some fresh bread, get some baguettes, get some whatever you want and bring those back and and have your breakfast at the the holiday house. Because if you're going to the grocery store and bringing it back, the the prices are actually fairly comparable to what it is in the US and actually in some cases a little bit cheaper. The other tip is, you know, people kind of always say, Kevin, that's great that you're telling me to eat in a holiday house and make my own food, but I'm on vacation. I don't want to cook my own food. Please do you have anything else? And one of the mistakes that people make or one of the things that a lot of people don't know is everyone wants to go out for dinner. Well, dinner is the most expensive meal. And if I wanted to go out for a dinner at just an average Thai place in Switzerland to get a normal meal, not even like a fancy meal, it's going to probably cost me like $250. For, for my family. And that's not even like fancy. That's just like average place. It's like $50 a person. So one of the tips that I, I always tell people is if you want to eat out, that's fine. Eat out at lunch. And the reason I say eat out at lunch is almost every single restaurant that's in Switzerland has something that's called a Tagus menu. So what a Tagus menu is, is basically the daily menu. It's the literal translation. And what they have is a very specific set of courses, usually about one to two or two to three options. And in those two to three options, they offer it for basically a massive discount. So I think a full meal would be 15 francs at a sit down, nice restaurant, two to three courses and a drink would be 15 francs. So it is extremely inexpensive. Almost every restaurant has that. And so that's a great way to still get out, eat the local food, experience the culture and still be able to kind of save the money. The other tip that I have isn't necessarily a direct savings on food, but it's more of a way of covering food costs. And this comes back to something that I talk a lot about, which are bank bonuses. So bank bonuses, for those that don't know, are essentially where you get a cash bonus for opening up a checking account with the bank and then performing a certain set of activities, normally things like a certain amount of deposits, a certain amount of transactions, things of that nature. 
So over the course of the year, I usually try to do about between $1,000 to $2,000 worth of bank bonuses. And then I use all the money that I've made from those bank bonuses to then cover any of the additional food charges that I have when I'm on vacation. And usually through those bank bonuses, I can cover almost 100% of the food charges. So again, it's not a direct way of using points and miles, but it's basically a way of covering your food costs for no extra money. How do you track all of the good bank bonuses that are currently available? So the best place is the Doctor of Credit website. So in the Doctor of Credit website, they actually have a specific section that is dedicated to bank bonuses. And they'll periodically say which ones are currently active. And you can kind of scroll that on their main page feed. But then usually on that, there's a link in each of those that says, here are the best bank bonuses currently available. And if you click on that, it'll take you to all of the different bank bonuses that are available. And the nice thing that they do is they break it down into, here's ones that are national, here's ones that are region or state specific, here's ones that are saving counts, and they break it down into the different categories. So it's really easy to follow, really easy to use. And that is kind of my Bible when it comes to bank bonuses. Fantastic. You have provided so much value in this episode. This has been awesome. If you had to sum up all of your points and miles knowledge into like the best tip that you have, what would you say is your number one tip? So I'm going to cheat because I actually have two. The first one shouldn't come as any surprise, which is always run the numbers. So figure out, I want to use these points, here's the cash, run the numbers, figure out if what you're getting is a good deal or a not good deal. I'm not saying that you don't do it, I'm just saying run the numbers to understand kind of what you're getting yourself into. And the kind of tangent to that is that just because you have points doesn't mean you need to use them. Sometimes cash is the right answer. It's not always points. So just remember that because I think sometimes that gets lost in a lot of what we talk about in this space, which is use points for this, use points for this, use points for this. It becomes the default answer. And everyone always forgets that sometimes the right answer is actually using cash. That is a really good point. Some people get really obsessed with the word free when we all say, oh, we can travel for basically free. There's $5 or $8 of taxes here and there, sometimes a couple hundred dollars of taxes. And people will cash out their points to cover that $200 of taxes or Mm -hmm. something, which is not going to be the best use of points a lot of the time. Sometimes you can just keep those 20,000 points to get a whole other free flight Mm -hmm. somewhere. So Exactly. Awesome tips. And speaking of awesome tips, can you give a shout out to somebody else on the internet who listeners should check out for awesome points and miles advice? So I'm going to give a couple of shout outs. So one, I just want to give a shout out to a couple of people in this space that are helping me contribute to the blog. So it's uh, Sam with Almost Free Traveling, who I know has, has been on the show and has awesome tips on Disney. Kelsey at the Point Sisters, who again shared her drama with getting rejected on various cards. And of course, the the King of Hilton, which is Angelo over at uh, Paid With Points. But for someone I've really enjoyed their adventures recently, there's an account called Kendi L Travels. Uh, she basically quit her job and has been traveling Europe for the last uh, couple of weeks. And every day she's been posting in her stories about what she's been doing that day. And they set themselves uh, a very strict budget of $100 a day for food excursions and everything else. And then they cover flights and hotels with points. So it's just been really interesting kind of seeing how far you can stretch $100 when you're overseas in some of these countries. It's her, it's her and, and her partner. 
And they've been doing these amazing, incredible excursions. And she's been sharing lots of tips and said kind of like a, instead of this, do this type of format. So I've really enjoyed following her the last couple of weeks. Awesome. And where can we find you on the internet? So on the internet, my main kind of two parts are on Instagram. You can follow me at The Points Analyst. And then I also have a blog site, thepointsanalyst.com. So either of those places would be a great place to follow me. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. This has been an incredible episode. I'm sure a lot of people are going to start looking to travel into Switzerland more now since the world is opening back up and that it's not as scary as expensive as... (laughs) Some people might have thought before listening to this episode. So thank you so much for everything that you provided for us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com slash hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels. Thank you.